Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank podcast. We love God, love people, and love our city. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org. Good morning, friends and family. Thank you so much uh, for welcoming me once again into your homes, through your cell phones, your laptops, and your TVs. Um, it's really great for us to worship together uh, this morning. I know uh, that some of you would have loved to be with us uh, on, on, in, during our Sunday worship, uh, but that you can't because uh, you're exercising wisdom. And, uh, and we love you. We bless you. We're trusting God uh, that uh, very soon we're going to be past this COVID season and that we'll be praising God uh, for the wins that we've gained. We'll be praising God for having brought us out of this, um, out of this uh, uh, valley. Now, I, I want to um, take us through to the book of Daniel. So if you'll just mark uh, your, your space in the Bible in the book of Daniel. And we are in our third Sunday of our, uh, our sermon series, Fire and Ashes. I hope that you've been tracking with us because this is an exceptionally profound series that we've, um, that we've been doing. And uh, if you are, are just catching up with us now, then please do yourself a favor and make sure that you catch week one and week two uh, of this Fire and Ashes series. Today, we're particularly looking at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. But I, I want to read to you, and hopefully you've found your way uh, to Daniel. I want to read to you uh, from Daniel uh, chapter 3. Listen to what this says. This is verse 29, verse 29 and 30. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. How about that? Now we, we, we read this in, in, in context that we understand that this is, this is the apex, this is the climax of this particular story. And, and, and at this point, the king, who is a Babylonian king, a heathen king, has recognized the sovereignty and the might of God. Not only that, he's making a decree that anyone who speaks against this God will be, will, will be cut into pieces and, and, their, and their houses will be reduced to ash heaps. Not only that, but he promotes these three into uh, positions of being high officials within the government of Babylon. How about that? Hey, how, how's that as part of our story? Now, I'd love to have this as part of my story, and I know that you would too, but I know that many of us would be a little bit hesitant to embrace the process that leads us to this point of apex. We want the glory. We want the, the celebration. We want the yes and amen. We want the amazing moment, the culmination of the story. But the culmination of the story doesn't come without process. And I want to tell you, friends, the culmination of the story doesn't come without the furnace. There was no way for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to avoid the furnace. Uh, and, and, and for us, worshiping together this morning, I want to tell you, that there's no way for us to avoid the furnace. Neither should we be trying to avoid the furnace. You see, Jesus put the, puts it this way. He says, he says that, the, that the keeper of the garden, he prunes uh, his, his, his fruit trees. Why? Because when he prunes his fruit trees, he positions them uh, and, and allows them to bear better fruit. So he, he washes his fruit, and those trees that produce fruit, he goes and he cultivates and he prunes them so that they can bear better fruit than what they had just borne. 
So the process of pruning, the process of being in the furnace, the, pr- the, the process itself is not to be shied or run away from. The process itself is a God-ordained process of promotion. There's no way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have arrived at this point of bearing much fruit. When, when you go into a heathen nation and the king of that heathen nation declares your God as the God above all gods and the God that everybody should worship and not speak against, man, that's much fruit right there. Okay, But that moment didn't come without its testing and without its furnace. So it's important for us to consider, and that's what I want to achieve with us today. Uh, Our mindset, the state of our souls, our confession, when we go into the furnace, uh, the the, the state of of our minds, our confession, our souls in the furnace, and how we come out of the furnace, all of these things are so, so important. So in the time that we have together, I want to explore um, how it is that these guys managed to achieve what they, what they did. Really, I see that they took a number of stands. The, the first thing I'm, I'm, I'm recognizing is that they took a stand for identity. Uh, they, they took a stand for community. Uh, they stood in the gap uh, and they stood in faith in the face of the fiery furnace. And I want us to look at these uh, 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 concepts uh, a little bit more systematically. So let's look at Daniel chapter 1. It's a good place to start. So what we, what we find in the book of Daniel is that the king, Nebuchadnezzar, ha, uh, uh, he entered, he attacked the nation of Jerusalem and Judah, uh, and, um, and he has carried away all, all of these people into exile. A choice few of them, the guys with the most potential or coming from the royal families, were, were co-opted or taken into his care. They were put through a process, what I call the University of Babylon. For three years, they taught the ways of Babylon, the language, uh, and, and, um, and, and uh, they, they, they are educated in the ways of Babylon. After this three-year peri- three period, they'll then be put into places of service uh, within, within the kingdom. The first thing that they do, now this is important, uh, the, the head of, of, um, of the king's eunuchs who's looking after uh, all, of, all of these people, first thing that he does is that he gives them new names. He gives them new names. So Daniel, Hananiah, uh, uh, Azariah, and um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah uh, are given new names. They become uh, Beltathesh. Belteshazzar, uh, and Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. This, this is important when we understand the meaning uh, behind these names. You see, the meaning of the names of Daniel, and, and, uh, and Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah were all centered around God. It's, it's God, who, uh, God who has judged. It's God who has, who has given. God, uh, it's God who has helped. Um, it's it's uh, um, uh, uh, who is like God, um, and, and you know, meaning of, of, of um, Mishael. Uh, so all, all of these names are centered around God, and they're given new names. They're given Babylonian names, uh, Belteshazzar, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All of these names are centered around the Babylonian gods, the, the, the Babylonian moon god and um, the Babylonian god of, of, of wisdom. So now they're called... Uh, servant of Aku, they're called command of Aku, they're called servant 
of of Nebu, who's the who's the Babylonian god of of wisdom. Um, they're called according to the Babylonian identity and culture, and that was important for the Babylonians, right? Because they recognized that in order to bend their will and to get them to uh, uh, succumb and to and to align to the Babylonian way, the system and their culture, they had to first forfeit who they are. And who they are was centered around their God. They had to separate them from their God and give them new gods. There's a battle, saints, um, for our identity. Whether we have been drawn into exile or not, uh, whether we're sitting in the comfort of our own homes or not, there is a constant battle um, for our identity. And the question is always being leveled at our feet. Who do we draw our identity from? Who is our source? And so these guys were brought in and their source was very clearly Yahweh. It was the God of all gods, the God of, 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 of the universe, the God of creation. And that is who they drew uh, their identity from. And as soon as they were brought into the situation of, of, um, of, of exile, which, which was different from where they're coming from, as soon as they're brought into this different space, that identity is challenged. And now the question is, is continuously leveled at their feet. Who is your source? Who is your sustenance? Who is your provider? And in verse 8, Daniel and his friends answer this question. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. This is after uh, they, they're given the, the, the king's food so they can eat from the king's table all of his delicacies and his rich foods and all of this. And, and, and Daniel says this, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And this wasn't just Daniel, by the way. This was, this was Daniel and his three uh, uh, friends. They came together and they decided, we're not going to defile ourselves with the king's wine and the king's meat, which has been uh, uh, offered to, to, to idols and to false gods. Uh, we uh, are, are going to abstain from this. Uh, and they asked if they could rather be fed um, uh, vegetables and water, steady diet of vegetables and water. And, and that was a stand for identity. In as much as it looks like um, a, 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 a form of rebellion, what it was is a stand for identity. God is the one who's going to sustain us. God is the one who's going to nourish us. God is the one who's our source and our provider. Our names are di directly derived from God and who God is, and we will not betray that simply because we've been brought into Babylon. Whether Babylon for you represents hardship or represents comfort. These guys were comfortable. They were eating from the king's table, but they refused to draw their identity from their newfound source of comfort. So they took a stand for, for identity. What is your stand? Second uh, stand that I see being highlighted uh, in the scriptures comes uh, in chapter, chapter 2 as we, as we read on. So, let me just give you the quick context. The king had had a dream, and this dream was very troubling. And he woke up and he didn't tell anybody what the dream was, uh, but he called all of his advisors, all of the sorcerers and the philosophers and all of the wise men of the kingdom, and he said to them, uh, you tell me what my dream is, and then you interpret it. And they said to him, nobody on earth could do this. No other king has ever asked their wise men to do what you're asking of us because it's simply impossible. Tell us your dream and we'll interpret it. 
And the king refused. He said, you're going to deceive me. You're going, to tell, you're going to give me false prophecies. If you can tell me what my dream is, then I'll know that your interpretation is true. And since nobody could do it, he issued a decree. Say, go out throughout my whole kingdom and kill all of the wise men, all of the sorcerers, all of the wise men, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego included. Kill all of them. And as they went about executing the king's orders, when they, uh, oh, sorry, when, when Daniel heard of the king's orders, this is, this is what it says in verse 12. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they, may, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Let me tell you what the next stand that I'm seeing. It's a stand for community. You see, when Daniel learned of the difficult challenge, the difficult uh, uh, mandate that the king had given them, he he didn't go about trying to figure out how to be the hero, uh, how how to be the, the, the lone ranger, um, going out into the desert, conquering all by himself, you know, um, that, that, that typical he- hero guy that we see um, in the movies who doesn't need anybody else and is, is self-sustaining and just comes in and, and, and saves the day. No, he withdrew to his community. And together they went before the Lord. And together they sought the Lord for answers. Now the, the interpretation of the vision was given to Daniel. But the labor behind it and the faith behind it was a community. It was all of them coming together, uh, bringing their faith together and seeking the Lord together, standing together uh, for the sake of their own lives and for the sake of the people around them. And so the, the stand that they had to be willing to make was a stand for community. By the way, side note, Daniel wasn't in the fiery furnace. We read that later. And Daniel faces his own trial, right? If you keep reading the book of Daniel, you'll see that he gets thrown into a den of lions. Uh, these guys uh, faced a fiery furnace. So we all, we all have our processes and we all have our trials that we must face. We just simply can't get around it. But he wasn't in the, in the furnace. And, and the only reason I point this out is that they, it, what it says to me is that they had a shared faith They had shared values. They had shared convictions that didn't matter whether they were together or not. When Daniel was together with them, they expressed the same convictions, the same choices, the same values, the same faith. When he was not with them and they were facing their own trial, they didn't waver. The community that you find yourself in, the community that you plug yourself into, saints, is important. It's important that you are in a close-knit group of people who share your values, who share your convictions, who share your faith, and and, and who are going to help you and spur you on to make good and godly decisions. That it's not a false faith or false community that falls apart as soon as you guys are not in the same room. But that whether we're together or not, we're still standing. This, this uh, uh, global pandemic, this COVID-19, has really tested the strength of community. When we are together and we can worship together and we, 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 can, we can come together in person, it's amazing and we love it and we're grateful that we have a measure of it right now. 
But boy, was our shared value tested during the lockdown. What happened to you? What happened to your community? What happened to your connect group? Did you guys fall apart? Did your faith waver? Did you still press on, continue to stand in your faith, continue to stand in prayer, continue to stand in the pursuit of intimacy with God, continue to advance his kingdom? Or did you clam up and go into self-preservation mode? I ask these questions not to shame you, saints, but for us to realize that community matters. Community matters. And without it, you are not going to come out on the other end with that apex, that climatic story that we read about. You want to bear fruit? You want to glorify God? Take a stand for community. Here's another stand that these guys took. They took a stand or they stood in the gap. So they took a stand for purpose. If we read on in, still in chapter 2, verse 24, it says, and this is after uh, Daniel had received the interpretation of the dream. It says, therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. So once he had received the interpretation, he didn't keep the interpretation to himself. Let me tell you why that could have been easy. Daniel and his friends were not popular within the administration that they found themselves in. So it would have been easy for him to hang back on providing a solution and let the, the decree of the king go out, kill as many of my competitors as possible. They, 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 they'd all gone through the process of the University of Babylon. They, they were all vying for places within the king's administration. And so it, it, it would almost be logical to say, let the king wipe all of these guys out and then come in as their hero to save the day and give the, 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 the king the interpretation for the dream. But Daniel doesn't do that. In fact, he, he, he gives the, 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 the instruction to say, stop killing, stop the killings. Don't kill the wise men of Babylon, even though they, are not, they don't share my faith. So in, in today's language, we would say they, they, they're not Christians. Stop killing people who believe different from me. Stop killing people who think of themselves as an enemy to me. Stop killing people who have an agenda against my life. Stop killing people who wish me evil. Stop killing people who, who are not convenient for me, who, who, who make my life difficult. If, you're, if you want to think of it in, in the workplace examples, you would go into your workplace and say, stop sabotaging, stop destroying the careers of people who are going for the same positions as me. Who, who, who are actively trying to sabotage my career, who are, who are gossiping behind my back and backstabbing. Stop destroying, stop killing those people who are willing to step on my head to get to the top. Daniel fights for those people because God had given him a solution. So saints, the, the, the question again that, that comes before us is, is what are the solutions that you're carrying? What are the insights? 
What are the things from God that, that, you're, that you're carrying that you, you could stand up and take a stand and say, hey, stop what you're doing. Stop the corruption. Stop doing the things this way because God has given me a solution. Knowing full well that the solution that you carry is going to benefit the people around you who may not wish you well. And so there was a purpose that Daniel carried that was beyond himself. Beyond himself. And he recognized that God's mandate, he recognized this, and this is important. God had blessed him, not just for himself. That's revelation right there, especially for us living in Joburg. We, we have fallen into this, this, this weird, weird mindset, saints, of thinking and believing the, the reason God has given us blessings, the reason that God prospers us is because he likes us better than the other person. False. It's error. It's prideful and arrogant. God blesses us because he loves people. And he gives you resources, talents, insights, giftings, opportunities, not just because he likes you or not because he likes you better than somebody else. He gives you those things because he loves people and he expects you to use the things that he has given you to bless the people that he loves. So if you have fallen into the trap of thinking that the things that you have are because of your smarts, because of your talents, because you're specially set apart by God for some special thing that other people are not privy to, repent. It's not the heart of God. The heart of God is for people. Those that don't look like you. Those that don't think like you. Those that don't believe like you. How are you using what you have for their benefit? So, these guys took a stand for identity. They took a stand for community. They took a stand for purpose by standing in the gap. And the last thing I want to point out is that they took a stand in the face of the fiery furnace. Here's what the Bible says about this. And this now is in chapter 3. We're leading up to that moment when they get thrown into the furnace. And we've read that moment and we know about it. We've sang songs about it, but we're leading up to that moment now. Chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king. Sorry, before we go there, let me give you the context of this. Context, the context here, before, before they, they, they'd been thrown into the, into the furnace, and the reason they'd been thrown into the furnace, right, is because they refused to bow down to the, to the uh, image that the, that the king had made. King had this bright idea. He, he, he made a, a, a massive, massive image of gold. And then he, he called all of his officials together, and he said to them, listen, I want, I want this decree to go across the whole, the whole nation. When you hear this particular type of music, I want you to bow down to this image. And, uh, and, and, and people were willing to do this. In fact, people did it. Uh, and, and, and there were these people who just refused to do it. Daniel uh, among them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego among them, who refused to bow down to this image because they knew that God, their God, had commanded them not to bow down or worship false idols. 
And so their compatriots, remember, their, their colleagues, the, the, those backstabbing colleagues that, they would, that they'd saved, those very same backstabbing colleagues are the ones who go to the king and say, King, you'll never believe it. Uh, you, you know how you gave this amazing command, which we love and we believe in, and it's, it's beautiful that, that we all bow down to your amazing golden uh, a statue. I don't know if it was a statue, but amazing golden image that you've made. Well, there's some of these Hebrew guys who are not doing it. They won't listen to you. They don't take you very seriously. They think you're a joke. They won't bow down to your image of gold that you have made with your sweat and blood. What are you going to do about it, king? And the king is infuriated. And he calls these guys before him and he says, Is it true that you will not worship my idol? Is it true that you will not worship my gods? And that's the moment that we find ourselves in here because the king has said, Okay, listen, I'm going to give you one more chance. If you hear the music, you bow down. If you don't bow down, or if you do bow down, awesome, then we're good. If you don't bow down, you'll be thrown into the furnace of fire. And he commands that the, the furnace be heated up seven times hotter than normal. And then the test comes. The music starts. I don't know what kind of music they're playing. Da, 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 it starts. They refuse to, to bow down. And this is what they say. Back to verse, um, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case if you're going to throw us into the furnace, our, our God, wh whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. FYI, we're not going to bow down. If you're going to throw us into the furnace, we serve a God who's able to rescue us from this furnace. But what they say next is vitally, vitally important. And he will deliver us. So, so, so our God, we, we serve if that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. How about that? We're not bowing down. We're not going to be threatened by you. We're not responding to your intimidations. We see your fire. We see you've made it seven times hotter. We see it. But our God can rescue us and can save us from this fire. And hey, even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. They took a stand in the face of the fiery furnace. They, they didn't base their faith on God rescuing them or, 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 or making sure that they don't go into the furnace. That's not where their faith was, was based. If that's where their faith was based, then they wouldn't have finished that sentence. They would have just said, our God will rescue, can rescue us, and he'll rescue us. You'll see. Touch us. Touch not the Lord's anointed. Greater is he that is in me than he that is against me. Say that the weapons formed against me will not prosper. You know, we quote all of these, and they are true. These scriptures are right, and they are true. But there is a second portion to our faith that says, even if God doesn't rescue me even if he doesn't save me even if he doesn't show up like i think he should show up i will stand and i will not bow down to the pressures around me that's a faith that is a faith in who god is not what he does it's a faith that stands regardless of external evidence 
or what people would show you. Look at your God. Has your God come through for you? Look at what, 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 what has your God done for you lately? Their faith stood. Last thing I want to share with you, and this makes me very excited. We, they, they, they get thrown into the fiery furnace. Thrown in, and, um, and it's seven times hotter. And, and the guys who, th- it's so hot that the guys who carry them, so they, they tie them up and, and they carry them there. And, and the guys who throw them in get burnt by the fire. They get, they get destroyed. They die trying to throw these guys in. And, and so these guys, they're thrown into the furnace. And everybody's waiting there, right? There, there's, a, there's the spectators and the king's got a special seat and he's observing this process. And then the king takes a closer look into the furnace. I imagine even just trying to get closer to that furnace would have been so hot. So maybe he was looking from a distance and, and he's seeing within the flames. He goes, hang on. Hey guys, how, how many people did we throw into the fire? And his administrators tell him that we, we threw the three guys as you commanded. So he says, how is it then that I see four people in the fire? Not only that, but the fourth one looks like a son of God. And so we see that because they were unwavering in their faith, God, watch now, God didn't save them from the fire. There are many people who would tell us today that because you're faithful, because you're faith-filled, you will be spared from the fire. The fire will, the, 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 you will not be, you, you'll not face the trials and the temptations. What the Bible tells us is because they were faithful, they were put into the fire. but God was with them in the fire. Because you are faithful, there are trials that you are going to face that you wouldn't have faced if you were not faithful. Consider it a privilege to be placed in the furnace for the sake of your faith because God is with you in the fire. That's not even the most exciting part. They come out. You read the story. It's amazing. They, they, they come out. The, the, the king, he, he starts talking to them. He can't believe it. He says, come out. So, so they come out. So they were thrown into the fire and they walk out of the fire. Hey, there's a whole different sermon right there. They, they walk out of this fire and they are untouched. The, the ropes that they, that they were bound with burned up. Their clothes untouched. In fact, the Bible says not a, 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 a strand of their hair was even singed by the fire. They were completely untouched. What am I driving here? There was no evidence of them having been in the fire. They carried no evidence of having been in the fire. The only evidence that existed of them having been in the fire is the witnesses who saw them go into the fire and saw them come out of the fire. Saints, we cannot avoid the furnace. We will face the fires. The question is when you come out of the fire, are you carrying the evidence of having gone into the fire? The Bible tells us they didn't even smell like they had been in the fire. They didn't smell like smoke. What do you smell like when you come out of your fire? 
What are you smelling like when you face a trial and a temptation? What are you smelling like when you face a tragedy? What are you smelling like when you face a challenge and a hardship? What are you smelling like when it feels or you believe that God hasn't come through for you and you've gone through stuff that you never thought that you would go through because you confessed the Bible because you've got a big Bible and it sits in your house and you call yourself a Christian and you, you quote Psalm 91 and you're protected and you're, you're ordained and you're divine and you're all of these powerful things and then life happens and you go into the fire. You can't believe it and you're coming out. What do you smell like? Are you bitter? Do you carry unforgiveness? Has your faith wavered and trembled and fallen? What are people saying about you? These guys, they went into the fire. They came out. The only thing, that the, the, the only evidence there was was because people saw them. If no one had been around, there would be no evidence as to whether they had been in the trial or not. Let people see you go into the fire. People will see you go into the fiery furnace. How you come out is important. Let them see you come out. Not a single strand of hair being being singed. Your clothes intact. Not smelling like the smoke. Leave that behind in the fire because you see, when Jesus is with you in there, He's got you covered. And so when you come out, ensure that you come out with all your faith. You come out with all your hope. You you, you come out with all your confession. You you don't leave a bit of it behind. You're not walking around a bitter Christian. You're walking around a better Christian. Couldn't resist there. We had to go charismatic. I think that's a lot to think about. So I'm going to landed here and and I'll say this how who you are who you're with what you're about is so important for how you approach your furnace and how you come out let me pray for us Thank you, Father, for the processes. Thank you for the pruning. Thank you for uh, calling us to bear much fruit. Thank you for being with us in the fire. Thank you for being that fourth man. Help us, grace us to, to, to stand on the courage of our convictions. Uh, help us to draw identity from you. Help us to, to embrace and to love and to be deeply committed to community and to standing together. Uh, help us, Father, uh, that, 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 that we have these shared values and we love We love these values. We love what you've called us to be about and that that we love you. We're spurring one another on, iron sharpening iron. Um, Help us uh, to recognize the purposes that you've laid up inside of us, that we we stand in the gap, that we carry these purposes. We don't forfeit them and we don't forget them, uh, that that, that we we stand in the gap even for people um, who who don't love us, who don't look like us, uh, who don't believe like us, but we know that you have blessed us um, for the sake of the people that you love. Uh, Thank you. Uh, for this and I pray a special grace over each and every person who feels like they're facing the furnace right now, about to go into the furnace, in the furnace, or even those that are coming out of the furnace. Thank you, Father, uh, for your love and your protection towards them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, what an amazing privilege that we have to be able to take communion together. May we never lose sight of what a profound moment this is. This is not just a, 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 a religious ritual um, that we perform and, and move on. 
Um, and it is also not just, it, it is a remembrance. Jesus calls it a remembrance. There's, there's so much power in that. Not, there's much power in the remembering, uh, but there's much power in what it, what, what it does for us and what it does uh, for, for, for our lives. You know, when you read in, in the book of John, chapter 13, uh, we, we see that Jesus, when, when um, he, he had gathered his, his disciples, there was a moment where they, they, they were gathering for supper and, and he stands up and, and, he, and he wraps um, his, his, um, his, his uh, a cloak uh, around his waist and, and he pours some water and, and begins to, to wash their feet. Uh, and some of them, I mean, all of them were shocked. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're letting him wash, wash their feet. And, and Peter, you know, he was very hesitant about this process. Uh, but what Jesus says um, about this is fundamental um, for, for our faith. He says, if I don't wash you, Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. So, so you see, when we're taking communion together, whether it's a cup of juice that you have before you're a glass of wine, what it represents is the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us clean, that makes us pure, that makes us whiter than snow. And it is this blood and it is this washing that makes us belong to Him. It is this washing that allows us to be called His own. So as we partake of this moment together, it is my prayer, and, and hopefully it is your prayer, that we go before Him in gratitude, in remembrance of the fact, undisputable fact, that we are washed, we are clean, we are made new. So when your sin reminds you, when your temptation reminds you, when your, when your naysayers remind you, when the enemy whispers into your ear, man, won't you join me in taking this communion and remembering that no, I actually, I am washed clean. And as we, as we partake of the bread, I have here some, some wafer. Maybe you have some bread or, or, or something else before you. Um, let us remember that it was his body that was broken for our sins so that we don't have to carry our sins. We don't have to carry the judgment for our sins on ourselves. If you remember that, if you accept that, then stop carrying your sins. Stop carrying the judgment. And remember that not only have you been washed clean, but you have been made new. If you have some people around you, won't you go ahead and just pray together. Take a moment, just pray together. Bring a heart of gratitude and a heart of remembrance before the Lord. If you're watching and you're by yourself, just take a moment whether it's a silent moment or you want to pray out loud, just take a moment to pray. Again, bringing a heart of gratitude and remembrance before the Lord that He has washed us clean and that He has made us new.
Amen. What an incredible message this morning as a reminder that when we go through difficult times in our lives, that we are not alone, that Jesus is right there with us. This morning, if you don't feel that Jesus is with you through the struggle you're going through and you feel alone during this time, I want to remind you that there is somebody that is willing to pray with you this morning. So if you call that WhatsApp number at the bottom of the screen or send a message there, somebody from the church will get in contact with you and make sure that we can walk this journey with you, that you do not need to feel alone during these times of struggle. Other than that, I hope that you've had a wonderful Sunday, that you feel blessed this morning, and that you will have a wonderful day going forward. Amen.